Hey guys, if you love a very Brady podcast, then go online and check out the T Public merch store. They got everything in there. They got t-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, hoodies, stickers, magnets, uh, pillows, and there's so many different t-shirt designs to choose from, from tanks to v-necks. If you want it, they got it. So go on there, check it out, order a t-shirt today or a magnet or a sticker. If not for yourself, get one for that Brady Bunch fan in your life. And guys, let me tell you, I ordered a couple of t-shirts to come in so I can check out the quality myself. And I got to tell you, I'm quite impressed. And I'm a bit of a t-shirt snob. It's got to be just right, the right thinness of material. Pretty similar to like like t-shirts that you get like at Target. It's very thin, very comfortable material. These guys over at Public definitely know what they're doing. And you want to talk about t-shirt colors? Of course, I only wear black all the time because it's slimming. But you can get pretty much any color under the sun. So go online to the Public merch store. The link is in the description of this episode. And always remember, have a sunshine day. The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Brady Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Tack, and with me, as always, is the other host of the show, Jimmy Klein. Hello! 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 And on this podcast, we celebrate the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch, where we break it down one episode at a time. But on today's episode, we're not actually going to be looking at any episode at all. Intriguing, Tack. Tell me more. (laughs) I will tell you more. So on today's episode... We actually get to sit down with somebody we've been wanting to for a while. We have, and not just each other. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're just giddy because this is this is a really exciting thing for us. <laughs> so for a while we were trying to get this interview to happen, and then things just didn't happen. When the right. monkey wrench went in the underwear, and then yeah, yeah. and we've we've kind of told you guys a little bit, saying we had something in the works, you know, but we didn't really come out and, and was completely honest the patreon subscribers know yeah um but uh the all the the, the listeners don't know so mm-hmm. go ahead give it to them Tim. okay so in today's episode we actually sat down already we already sat down with yeah hope juber which for those of you who don't know who hope juber is hope juber is if you remember the episodes where they go to the drive-in where bobby puts a frog on uh greg's girlfriend's head Mm-hmm. The girl who he's not the drive-in with is Hope Juber. She was also on the episode where um, the hair tonic episode where Greg's hair changed and he had to go to the salon and he saw those two girls there and he's really embarrassed. One of those was, was Hope Juber. Uh, way back on the episode where Marsha had the slumber party episode, she was one mm-hmm. of the girls at the slumber party. But more importantly, her father was Sherwood Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Her brother was Lloyd Schwartz. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hope Juber is Emmy nominated. She's a music producer that's produced over 30 albums. Mm-hmm. Um, she's written musicals. She's written TV shows. She's written movies. Um, she's super incredibly talented. And um, and it was fascinating talking to her. So, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Um, 
Yeah, it was uh, she's very down to earth. We had a nice little intimate, oh, super um, down to earth, yeah. Very informal conversation with her about yeah. everything from uh, the Brady Bunch to Gilligan's Island to yes. um, anything she has going on currently, any future projects. Uh, well, she wouldn't give us too much insight on our future projects, but yeah. she gave some hints as to what could be coming out. So, and it's I mean the the name dropping that woman could do if she wanted to is incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's a lot bigger than you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, without further ado, yep. Without further ado. Without further ado, this is uh, our conversation we had with Hope. So today we are talking to Brady Bunch royalty, Jimmy. Yes, we are. (laughs) She's Emmy nominated, uh, has had multiple appearances on the Brady Bunch. She's a singer, writer, actress, and producer. Please join me in welcoming... The always groovy Hope Juber. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to be here. Heck yeah. So the, the first question we had was, um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Studio City. Oh, I'm wow. still in the same zip code that I grew up in. I never <laughs> changed zip codes. <laughs> and um, just Los Angeles, Hollywood, that, that area. I'm still here. So you, do you do you still get are you kind of jaded by it by now? You know, what I mean, is it still fascinating to you or was it ever fascinating so for, for me and him? It would be fascinating even visiting there. So I can't imagine what it'd be like living there. For me, it was just where I always was. was it? Yeah, and, yeah. and my friends, their dads were always doing the same thing that my dad was doing. They, we, I had a lot of friends who who had moms and dads in, in on different shows or working on different, um, you know, like, um, my best friend, Carrie, when I was a little girl, her dad was doing get smart. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, nice. uh, at the same time, my dad was doing Gilligan's Island and they were filmed on the same lot. And it was about, uh, two blocks from where we went to school. So after wow. school, okay, we would just go down <laughs> to CBS and, and say, do we want to go to get smart or Gilligan's Island today? And it was, <laughs> that's <laughs> cool. That's it awesome. Just, it was just what we did. It was. It didn't feel like anything abnormal or special because everybody was doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Cool. Um, you mentioned like moms and dads. So was your mom in entertainment industry as well, or? No, my mom was pretty funny though. My yeah. mom, my dad would always say, um, "I'm the comedy writer, but she's the funny one." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, she was like almost typical Carol Brady. I would say Carol Brady was probably. Um, a lot of mom and mom was a lot Carol Brady. She, she was, uh, with the kids and she didn't have a job job. She did before mm. she met my dad, but, but mm. then she, um, but she was an artist too. She was a sculptor and she did, um, serographs and, and, uh, pursued different artistic ventures, but she was not in show business. Although, as I said, she was, she was really funny. <laughs> How did, did she do Did she, sorry, Jimmy. No, go ahead. Did she do a lot of needlepoint too, like Carol does? <laughs> yes. She did. Nice. Oh, I, like t- murals of needlepoint. That's <laughs> the thing. Everybody on the set, everybody was constantly needlepointing. I was even needlepointing. At one point during, um, during Brady, I was um, needlepointing and Anby Davis had gotten this director's chair. Hmm. 
and she was wondering what to put on the back because everybody had their names and stuff. And I needle pointed the back of uh, her director's chair. Oh, that's awesome! Wow. Yeah, graphic, and she loved it. She put it on her chair, and that's that's what she used. That's cool. That's so cool. How did your parents meet? If you're seeing that your mom wasn't in the industry, how did your parents meet? Well, my dad had was a writer in L.A. and my mom was in New York. She was working for her uncle at the time. And she um, my dad went to New York for a week to okay. stay there for a week on a vacation. And he was uh, seeing an, another girl and and they had gone for this walk on the boardwalk of Rockaway Beach. And when they reached the end of the boardwalk, there was a fence and there were a bunch of um, young women on the fence. And uh, they were friends of my my dad, the girl that my dad was seeing. And so she said, do you want to meet some of my friends? And he said yes. And my mom was in the middle. They said hello. My father said it was like everybody else just disappeared. And he (laughs) saw her and his first words to her were, will you marry me? Oh, and yeah. it was love at first sight. That sounds and, similar uh, to you and your husband. <laughs> yeah. 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 Remarkably, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds a lot like it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly like it. That's fact, cool. When I met my husband, I, I had been in New York, and um, I was there for a week. And um, <laughs> when when I met him, I decided that I wanted to stay another week. And I called my parents and my mother answered the phone and I said, mom, I'm going to stay in New York another week. And she yelled to my dad, she's going to stay another week. And my dad yelled back, she's going to marry him. (laughs) But him, she didn't say anything about him. And my dad said, if she's staying another week in New York, she's met at him and she's going to marry him. You just watch. That's cool. Yeah. That's crazy. Pretty amazing. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Yeah, because my my dad extended his vacation another week so that he could continue courting my mom. So it was like totally mirror image. Wow, that's awesome. That's cool. Um, so you mentioned your childhood. Was it? Would you say your childhood was um, like? In what ways was your childhood the same as as I guess I would say a normal childhood, um, or was it pretty extraordinary in hindsight? You know what I mean? I think it was it was pretty normal. Was it and okay? I think my dad just kept it that way. I went to public school. I drove, when I finally got my license, I drove a used car. It was not anything. I, it was not, we were always kept just very, um, conscious of, of just being normal people. And, and, and my dad was very, um, philanthropic. He, anything that, that was extra, he, he helped, uh, children's hospitals. That's cool. And a lot of um, lot of worthy causes, and and that was much more important to him than any material things. That's cool. So we had a fairly modest house, and and um, I really, even though like my last year of high school, we moved from um, Studio City, that's it, code into um, Beverly Hills, and I went for one year to Beverly High, mm. and um, I. I think everybody there thought I was kind of in the slums of Beverly Hills because I, I just, it was not anything I related to as far as any status things made, made no difference to me. So, right. That high school was used in some movies, wasn't it? Beverly Hills yeah, High School? So. Yeah. 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 Was fact, that the. One of my classmates um, wrote a movie based on that whole experience, slums okay. of Beverly Hills. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's cool. 
So um, I don't know what age you were, but you were in a production of uh, Diary of Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess uh, Florence Henderson, Henderson uh, I guess she came to see you and gave you some advice. Um, I wouldn't really call it advice. She no? came to see me. Mm-hmm. And um, she, afterwards, she wouldn't stop crying. Oh, wow. She, she hmm. was very affected by it and just was like hugging me and crying. Um, which I think, considering the subject matter, was an sure. appropriate response. Mm-hmm. And she didn't say, she didn't give advice for it. She was just very, very complimentary. She was very, pretty overwhelmed at that That's production. That's cool. That's nice. How old were you then? Oh, gosh. I was, I would say, probably 15. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and I played, nice. I played Anne Frank. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've seen that show before. That's a powerful show anyways. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. Um, when you were really young, I, this was a question I had had doing the research. Uh, when you were really young, uh, your father was the head writer for Red Skelton. Mm-hmm. Do you have any memories of him at all? Because you were pretty young. You were like six. Yeah, I have only one memory uh, from from that period, sh- that show. Mm-hmm. And it was um, when dad was up for an Emmy. Oh, nice. And mm-hmm. one of my brothers said to me, if we're really lucky, daddy is going to bring home a golden doll for you to play with. <laughs> I thought it was all about me. And yeah. he's like working and competing so that I could have this, this special doll. And, and he, he did bring it. And, oh, nice. And it's uh, sitting on my, isn't, well, I had the, the wrong background here. But <laughs> right. So, yeah, I have that, that memory from, from Red Skelton. But when I was born, because my dad had worked for Bob Hope. Oh, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, and they named me Hope. Oh. They, got a, oh. they got a telegram from Red Skelton saying, and what's wrong with Skelton Schwartz? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So now you get to play with that doll anytime you want. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, I wasn't much of a doll playing kid. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one question we had had, we just we had just thought of this question before the interview. Um, doing the research, it seemed like the Beatles is, has been a big part of your life. Oh, massive. Um, <laughs> when, when you first became a Beatles fan, did you ever think that you would meet any of them or... Be, being exposed to celebrities was it was it not that big of a deal? The Beatles were different. The Beatles yeah. were like stratospheric. I mean, uh, <laughs> when I saw them on the Ed Sullivan Show, everything changed. I just my my whole perception of art and reality and music and culture, everything changed. Right, and I was always the kind of fan I was collecting like bootlegs and things like that and listening for things. I wasn't the screaming on the other side of the fence kind okay. of fan. I <laughs> never like go throw any articles. <laughs> or That's just not what I did, right. but I just loved their music, their message, their artistry, their collaboration. I just thought it was unlike anything. It, it was like the sum of their collaboration was so much greater than the individual parts. It was just an astonishing thing for me. It was magic. Right. It was really magic. And it had, it continued all the way. My thesis in, in college was I wrote a, a play entirely composed of Beatle lyrics. Oh, nice. <laughs> so not just songs, but the whole play. Yeah. The whole oh, play. wow. That's yeah. cool. 
<laughs> and it, I always, when you said like, did I think that I would meet them? Yeah. I had hoped right. that eventually <laughs> I would meet them, but I always wanted to meet them in a way that wasn't the kind of, Oh, I love you. So, you know, that kind right. of, yeah. um, screaming, throwing things. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would love, I wanted to meet them in a way that I could, I could really engage with, with them artistically because, right. you know, art and creation was a big thing in our family. Yeah, and, yeah. and, um, I've been very lucky. I yeah. met three out of the four and, and in ways that were remarkable when, when Lawrence, um, cause Lawrence had always been doing his own. My, Lawrence is my husband, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, <laughs> For people who hadn't heard his name yet, so. <laughs> when he was um, he he was doing his own music, and I asked him to do an album of Beatle covers, solo acoustic versions of Beatle covers. Nice. And he at first really didn't want to do it because he said, "I you know I'm a composer and I do my own music." I said, "I know, I know that, and I and I'm really thrilled about that." But for me, for nobody else, just for me. Could you please record your your Beatle covers so that I can hear them when you're off mm. on the road and stuff? Mm. And he said, "Okay, I'll do it under one condition that you have to produce it and you have to be responsible for every note, every decision." Oh wow! I said, I said "It's a deal." So we we worked on it and we did "L.J. Plays the Beatles," and mm. it was voted one of the top acoustic guitar albums of all times. It was like oh, top wow. ten. And um, I was Lord, uh, when Paul was in town, we went to see him and I was lucky enough to hand Paul McCartney an album of Beatles songs that I produced. That's and cool. That absolutely an amazing <laughs> moment for me. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. <clears throat> nice. Me. So uh, when you were your dad was producing um, Gilligan's Island, I guess you were eight up until mm-hmm. 11 years old when it ended. Um, did you ever keep in contact with any of the cast from Gilligan's Island afterwards? Yes, yes I did. Um, not only was I like working on the, the rescue movie and mm. working on anything after Gilligan, you mm. know, the, any Gilligan projects, but I, I was always very, very close to Don Wells. Mm. We would mm. have lunch like about once a month. And um, she was always very, very dear to my heart when I was a little girl and I had gone to the, as I said, I went to the island a lot after school mm-hmm. and um, she had such cute outfits that I was always very <laughs> jealous and envious yeah. of cute outfits <laughs> with the suspenders and stuff. And right. I went to her one time and I said, I, I, I want an outfit like that. <laughs> and she, uh, she said, let's go get you one. So we, we went shopping and she bought me a little outfit with suspenders and, and she just always took an interest in me, even though I was a little kid and most of the other castaways did too. The, the only one who was kind of separate was Tina Louise. She would just keep her distance a little bit. I never right. really bonded with her, but I was very close with, with Russell Johnson and Bob Denver. And, mm. and I still am in contact with, um, with Dreama Denver and I, yeah, I still am in a lot of contact with Samantha Hale, who is um, Alan Hale's granddaughter. Okay. He was he was like a big warm teddy bear. He was <laughs> such a sweetheart. Nice. Um, Jim Backus scared me because yeah. <laughs> not because of anything he did, but he had a really 
big booming voice. He was a very big presence. <laughs> and I was a little kid. So that I was mm-hmm. always a little scared of him, but um, it, not because of, he tried to scare me. He just, yeah. that's just his personality was big. Well, plus <laughs> he locked up the Brady's exactly. in, an old, in an old like West town. Yeah, that's not nice. Yeah. They took their share, <laughs> took their gold, yeah. took their claim. Yeah, that's what it was claim. Yeah, and he tended to be an old prospector. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My dad, I guess, saw him that way. <laughs> Excuse me. So we actually have a question from a fan. Um, Robert Brennan was asking, um, how on the Brady Bunch, how did you get your first role? Was it a case where your father came and said, hey, I think you'd be good? Or were you having to ask your dad to be on? Like, how did it how did it happen? Well, um, the slumber party was the first one. The yeah. slumber and that one, I think they they were thinking of it in terms of an opportunity to bring all the daughters on to, okay. to have fun kind of. Because yeah, Robert Reed's daughter was on, too, right? And so was Florence Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't. Re- okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all, all the daughters got to be yeah, in the yeah. slumber party one. And dad just said, you're going to be uninvited. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I remember we, we'd gone through that episode. And when um, <laughs> Marsha Brady says, let's all play ha. We're all like, what yeah, is ha, this what is game? Like, is that like a real game? Was that made it, up? Yeah, it was a real game. It was a real kind of goofy little teenage girl game that you, you try to get through all the haws without everybody laughing. And it never worked because it was funny and everybody ended right. up in a big pile laughing. So. Yeah, we had to like figure out what the game was because she didn't explain it. We're just seeing all these girls with their heads on each other's stomachs <laughs> and they're all going, ha. And then everybody's just laughing and we're like, what's the game? Like, yeah. <laughs> who won? <laughs> How do you win? How do you lose? <laughs> I think there is a winner or a loser. I think it's just, it was just funny, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. When, you, when you have your head on somebody's stomach and they go, ha, ah, it kind yeah. of bounces you. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. So it Me and Jimmy you- are going to try it right now. Yeah, we'll try it. We'll, we'll try when the interview's over. Yeah. <laughs> so from from memory i mean we could have looked this up but this is more fun um from your memory how many different characters do you play on the brady bunch because what played, you didn't always play the same named character you you came back as different characters yeah i think uh, it always it kind of surprised me that dad thought i wouldn't be remembered at all <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, oh isn't that the same girl? they no. could have easily just kept the same name you know what i mean i don't think anybody would have questioned it because no. i was rachel twice every time yeah. we went to the drive-in i was his date right. but then the last one with him graduating there was no reason i couldn't have been rachel that's I exactly mean, what we said yeah to that relationship I, I thought we were doing really well together and all of a sudden he's off with kathy you know <laughs> well i think it, it, it could have played into the storyline better if you would have remained rachel because that would be that much more embarrassing for greg seeing you in the first place you know, because of the history that's a good point because yeah. of the history and, and oh rachel uh, yeah that's yeah, what are you doing in it? But but he, um, I guess he figured nobody would remember me. Right. <laughs> well, we remember. We well, remember. And, yeah. and Jenny was the the slumber party one. That was like a completely different thing. Yeah. And I think I changed quite a bit from the slumber party to the first time I went out with. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, for so sure. I, yeah, I could see mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. Well, you didn't have a frog on your head the first time. <laughs> you know, uh, you mean the drive-in? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the slumber party. <laughs> oh, the slumber party. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, no, no super frog, no frog on my head, just flower on Mr. Brady's head. I still have a sleeping bag, by the way. <laughs> you still have a sleeping bag? Is that what you said? Yeah, from the Slumber Caper. That is cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. It is pretty cool. Um, I was going to ask you about how they got the frog on your head, but I know you've told that story a million yeah. times. I didn't know if you still wanted to. Our listeners may not have heard it. So. But we, we had, it had come up question when we looked at the show. Like, how did they get it? Because it appeared to just land on top of your head perfect. Like, Well, we it was not a real car and, and yeah. not. Yeah. So it was on a soundstage and they built a contraption over the like we, we had this half a car and they right. built a contraption over it. And there was a man up on this wooden plank with like a bag full of frogs. <laughs> and he literally dropped them when it was cue time, dropped them onto mm-hmm. my head from above. Okay. So it didn't have to like the frog didn't like leap over yeah. and right, land right. on my head. It was dropped and I knew it was coming um, <laughs> during the, the filming of the scene. And it was, it was hard not to, to show that I knew that a reptile was going to land on my head. And every, they, they had to do a few takes of it because it didn't always land correctly. Oh. And it like slid <laughs> off and, yeah. and I got frog juice all over me and they had to wash <laughs> my hair and redo everything. And then I remember one take, all the other Brady kids came in to watch this being filmed and they were just in hysterics and they had to <laughs> redo the, the scene because of, of that, because right. kids were laughing so much. So <laughs> it, it was a, a unique filming of an episode. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Yeah, it sounds like it. One thing I liked about that scene is that um, you or your character, neither one of you, <laughs> like freaked out because the frog. Mm, it wasn't mm-hmm. like your traditional like, ah, get it off of me. It was like, oh, this is inconvenient, which <laughs> I think is more realistic. And I think it was better that way. To where she well, wasn't. I didn't know what it was when it first landed <laughs> on my head. And so, so. How would I know? So it was just a matter of what is <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> nice. So <clears throat> looking back, um, which cast would you say you were closer to, Gilligan or Brady Bunch? I think I was close to both casts, but in completely different ways because right. the Gilligan cast was all adults and mm-hmm. I was this little mm-hmm. kid. And that it, it was warm and like a family and, and great. And I felt very close to all the castaways. And then Brady, all the kids were like my age. So it was a different kind of closeness. And, and I remained friends with a lot of the Brady kids. I, you know, I was friends with them back then and could come to the set just to hang out with, with the, the actors Mm. um, on that show. But it was a different kind of hanging out because I was the same. Yeah. That makes sense. So was there any romance with anybody from the cast or, (laughs) or do you plead the fifth? (laughs) No. No. There was no romance between me and any of the cast members. Okay. No, I actually had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, and nice. That. And that did was your, not Did he come with you? Uh, no. Mm, no. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was not involved romantically with, with any of them. Okay. And I know in, in Barry's book, he, he, he said something about um, it's, it's probably not a good idea to get involved with the, the boss's daughter. So. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. If your father was on set a lot, I doubt. I guess I didn't really think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Instead, he was involved with his sister. So. That's my, true. My brother, my big brother, was always there. Okay. So, oh, okay. Boy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense now. <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> Good. So you were 13 when the Brady Bunch began shooting, and you were 18 when it ended. And and thinking about it, those are pretty formative years. So how was it when it ended? Like, how, how did it affect you when it ended? Uh, well, I was actually kind of happy yeah. that it, it ended. I, I, when nobody knew it was going to end like that, but it, it did. Mm. And and it was a strange time for me anyway, because I think being a, a that age girl from 13 to 18 is a, a completely weird time for any girl. You know, it's yeah. just it, adolescent mm. girldom is, is very awkward. And for me, I had this other entire family going on within my family. Right. And I was um, not always happy about it because it was uh, I felt quite left out on um, on a lot of occasions when everybody was traipsing off to Hawaii or the Grand Canyon or mm. wherever they were going. <laughs> and I was at home and and it was it was a strange time for me because going through adolescence is, is hard enough. But mm. feeling like there's this perfect group of kids and I'm kind of not one of them. Right. And, you know, and they were very attached to my dad and and he to them. And my brother was always there with these other kids and and the kids, Brady kids pictures were on the walls. And it was a strange time for me. So right. I wasn't, um, you know, I I loved the fact that it, it, it was um, a successful show and, mm-hmm. and people loved it. And I was proud of my dad for doing it. But it wasn't always easy for me. That makes sense. Hmm. Okay. Excuse me. I think that possibly my dad giving me the roles of Rachel and Gretchen were also aware. I think he was aware that it was it was hard oh. for me. Oh, and I see. Yeah. I think that it was a way of him trying to make me feel a part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. How how much of, of at home life ended up on the show or did any like were there ever times where a storyline would come out? You'd be like, wait a minute, that's me. Like I, that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would happen. That would happen. There would be things that happened in our house or that uh, dad remembered from his childhood or mm-hmm. or like things, uh, even pet names, you know, those sitting on the edge of the bed and saying pumpkin. Yeah. I mean, that was dad saying it. To me, you know, and that yeah. was always awkward for me to see up on. on I the imagine, yeah. <laughs> and and every once in a while, something would happen at school, and it would end up as a subplot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, every, yeah, every once in a while, but it wasn't consistent because a lot of times, yeah, you know, writers are coming in with their own ideas and their own family things that have happened. So. <laughs> for sure. So the the cast often said that Robert Reed made them feel like part of like his family and all that. Did you feel that way towards him as well, or no, not at all, no, uh, not at all. I I did not have a close relationship with Robert Reed. Hmm. Um, I think part of it was because he and my father were so there was such animosity there all the time okay. that it. Uh, it was not something that I, I felt like encouraged to become close to Robert Reed. Oh, okay. and, and, oh. and he was with these other kids all the time and, and they bonded with him. And, but he and my dad were at odds a lot and I heard all about it at home right. and oh. he would come home with like antics that Robert was pulling and, and he oh. wouldn't always do these things in front of the kids. Right. Right. Yeah, he, yeah. But he was always um, just, 
like like a needle in my dad's side and it was um it was not something that i was encouraged to do nor did i feel very close and and i did see some outbursts that he had on the set and went Mm. yeah i can see why my dad was having (laughs) trouble with him Mm. but he did love the kids and they loved him and he was very warm and he was the perfect guy for the the role so for sure it was you know it it was not something that 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 my dad had an easy time with but he did appreciate his talent okay he was definitely talented for sure Yeah, yeah um so speaking of like some of his Albert's like going back to the finale, the the last episode. Um, not everybody knew that it was going to be the last episode. Did you kind of have, and did you know like before a lot of people or like were you no. privy to anything? No, okay, no, no. <clears throat> no. I, I had no idea it was going to be the last episode, and that that Robert um, had had so such trouble with it, and mm. that uh, it it had come to the point where he was written out of it that particular episode and was uh, a presence on the set. And I know that they, they wanted to have security come and yeah. remove him because he was, he was um, being very, um, it, it was distracting yeah. having, having him there kind of glowering at, at what was going on all the time and yeah. near the cameras. And, and when they, brought up the idea of having security take him off the set. My dad said, absolutely not. Mm, he said, yeah. I will not have that. I, I don't love the man, but I love the kids and I will not have them see their, their dad, uh, quote unquote, dad right. being dragged off the set. So just leave it as it is. Right. So he was dad and Robert were both very protective of the kids and loved them. And I think that that mitigated any issues that that would have um, happened uh, otherwise. Right. Yeah. There's there's always been a lot of talk of like toxic sets for children, especially back in the day and stuff like that. But it seems like your dad like really cared about the kids and made it as comfortable for them and professional for them as possible. Yes. That's amazing. They were allowed to be kids. Yeah. That's they awesome. Were, that's amazing. They were encouraged to be kids. They, they had fun um, mm-hmm. uh, with each other and on the sets. And, and it, it was, a, I think, a, a wonderful time uh, for them and, and, a, and childhood. I think that he wanted them not to feel like the, the kind of pressure that a lot of the kids uh, suffered under. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's good. After the show ended, <clears throat> excuse me, how often did you, uh, did you see the Brady kids after it ended? Was it, was it immediately, was it like a, almost like a family reunion type of thing where you kept in contact or was it one of those things where you kind of saw each other at special events? Like, was there a conscious effort to keep in contact? Well, it was mostly special events, Brady okay. related events, those kind mm-hmm. of things. But I was also always close to Maureen. Okay. And uh, she well, and you guys I are had, the same age, right? Or no? Yeah, we're just, okay. yeah, just yeah. a couple months apart. And oh, nice. um, we were we were friends when the show was filming, and we did things together, and went off to the whether it was the Renaissance Fair or Disneyland or whatever we were doing. <laughs> but um, we had a, a close relationship then, and we still have a close relationship now. That's cool. And nice. She was also very friendly with Barry, Barry and I'm still 
close with him and and he, he was doing a show somewhere and i think he was in bahamas or something he sent me a stuffed frog just <laughs> <laughs> like a sweet bag kind of thing and he would send me frogs every once in a while just because um you know we've always remained close but he and maureen were the same age as myself and okay. when you're kids that age those kind of difference age differences mean a lot so i was yeah. less close with like susan and my oh i'm and, sure yeah yeah you know, and chris and eve but i was um always in in touch with them and, and it was always friendly so that's cool yeah. Yeah, yeah so you wrote some musicals right so you did the music for gilligan's island is that correct and yes. also wrote brady bunch musical yes Yes. Um, um, I had had a comedy rock and roll band called The Housewives. <laughs> and um, we did a lot of TV. We did mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, home, like, we were the house band on the home show. We did Oprah. We did a lot of television and <laughs> nice. rock and roll clubs and comedy clubs in LA. And mm-hmm. my dad was a big fan of the band. And oh, he nice. loved the songs that I was writing with my husband. And when <laughs> he was thinking about doing a musical, he came to Lawrence and myself and he said, you know, I would like you to write the score. That's to this cool. With Gilligan's Island musical, mm-hmm. because I, I'm, I think you're doing a great job with Housewives. And, mm-hmm. and I think that you would be really uh, appropriate to mm-hmm. write this. The, you know, not only do I know the, the characters so well, but it was um, something I was doing, comedy, rock and roll. And, and so we switched our focus and wrote Gilligan's Island, the musical. And hmm. it's still being done. I just We just got another notice that it's going to be done um, nice. in Indiana. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's always being done somewhere. I think right now it's in Arizona. But um, yeah, there's like community productions of it. Yeah. And once the Gilligan musical was, was written and people were doing it um people kept asking us well it was the brady bunch musical so we figured <laughs> we had to write one so <laughs> so i wrote that with lloyd yeah. and then we wrote the score i wrote the score with lawrence and i wrote the book with lloyd and um that one we're really hoping it's um it's gonna have its its big debut soon it's it's in negotiations and these things sometimes the negotiations take so long right. and it's just you know twists and curves and bumps in the road and that kind of thing but um we're really excited to, to have people see that one because it, it's a it's a pretty fun property <laughs> did <laughs> nice. did tina louise see you play her part in the show or no uh, the first reading of the Gilligan musical, I did play Ginger, yeah. and she she did not come to that. Oh, okay. So she's never oh. seen me do it. Um, I didn't do it beyond the first reading of it. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Speaking of Lloyd, uh, recently I saw on IMDb something about a Gilligan's Island reboot that I think Lloyd might be a part of. Is that is that something you can talk about? We totally understand if you can't. I, you know, it, Gilligan's Island, it's like, what, 50 something years. It's been in turnaround for different projects. And oh, stuff. OK. okay. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> we're always hopeful. We're yeah. always optimistic. Right. Um, Lloyd and I have come up with uh, a few reboots ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can't really say any anything more about it because mm. it, nothing is real until it's real. <laughs> yeah, I makes sense. It. I get it. Makes sense. Is um, are the real are uh, the housewife the nasty house? Are they are they still active? Are you guys well, still? What happened was I I had the the housewives and right. I did that for twelve years, hmm. and then when that stopped and I really focused more on on writing and producing Lawrence's albums, and so we've done thirty albums, and I hadn't done the housewives in in years and years and years and then when the political thing the political winds changed <laughs> um i decided that it would be um it would be fun <laughs> i don't know fun but it would be uh, appropriate to take another take on the housewives so i did the nasty housewives okay oh, okay that, okay okay that was yeah, not right. a, a comedy one that was a political one Okay. So oh, gotcha. it's, it's a completely different entity. And I, um, I formed that with, um, Marcella Detroit, who was in Eric Clapton's band. Okay. Yeah. She wrote lay down Sally and, uh, we started, we met and started writing songs together because she agreed with my stance on a lot of the stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to, to put it into song. And we did a, um, an album called Resisters or Resisters, whichever one you prefer to <laughs> be pronounced either way. And um, it was a an album and all videos. It's you can it's if you go to thenastyhousewives.com, mm-hmm. but don't forget the the or you just get porn. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll check that one first and then go check there you go. Yeah, yeah, we'll do one then the other. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, two completely different bands. Oh, okay. Do you do you play any instruments? I know your husband does, but do you play any instruments? I do not. I'm the designated no. listener in our family. Has your um, husband tried to teach you guitar? Is, is he because me and Tag both play guitar and I would love it if my wife played guitar. Is he like that? Is he like, oh, come on, just try it. I'll show you some chords, you know. Occasionally yeah. I'll try to play a slide. I'm just I have no patience <laughs> for practicing. And that's all he does. Okay. He's playing guitar 24 hours a day, every day. He even plays in his sleep. I wake up and he is playing my arm. He is just practicing. I'm the same he, way. <laughs> constant. And he is never without a guitar in his hands. And I just was never good at it, never disciplined enough yeah. to um, to play an instrument. So he he plays it and both of our daughters play. That's and, cool. Yeah. But I never I, I write songs. And sometimes like with the Gilligan musical, I'll have a song, just the whole song will pop into my head and I'll just sing it to Lawrence and we'll record oh, okay. it. And I, hmm. sometimes I come up with the melody and he comes up with the lyric. It goes both ways. And that's People cool. Okay. assume that I'm the lyricist and, and he's <laughs> the, the one who does all the melody, but it's, it's not that way. It goes both ways. Okay. Oh, sure. Um, well, speaking of your daughter, um, you just have the two daughters, is that correct? Two daughters, yes. It seems like yeah. they're both pretty successful in their own little industry. So I yeah. was, I found that, is it Ilse? Is that how you say your name, Ilse? Ilse, yeah. Yeah. So she's a singer-songwriter and worked with Linkin Park, Miley Cyrus, Pink, Panic in the Disco, Kelly Clarkson, Beyonce, Britney Spears, and it goes on and on and on. 
It's yeah. pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, she was up for two Grammys this year. Really? That's awesome. That is she awesome. Win, but she just won a BMI award. She is like a mega successful songwriter now. And I knew it from the time she was probably around 12 that this was going to happen. Oh, wow. Because she started... Well, she started on drums and we thought she was a drummer because mm. she was immediately good. Right. And um, then she would pick up the guitar and she was terrible and she would plunk, <laughs> plunk and put it down. And, and then one day she came into the room, she picked up the guitar and she started playing Lawrence's version of Little Wayne, mm. the mm. blue. And <laughs> all of us, including my other daughter and Lawrence, we all said, when did you learn how to do that? <laughs> and she said, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing it. And I just wow. can't my fingers. <laughs> and I kind of think I know how she did it. And it's it's one of my favorite experiences and stories. When when I was pregnant with Ilse, Lawrence was in the studio working with George Harrison. Mm. And being a big Beatle fan, I had always wanted to meet George because I'm also a big guitar fan. Right. And I, I, George was like, the epitome, you know. So hmm. I, I said to Lawrence, please, can I come to the studio <laughs> and George Harrison? And he said, let me arrange it. So he had arranged it that the next day I was going to go and, and go to the studio and meet George. And that night I went into labor. Oh, wow. Like, no, 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 no. I can't have this baby. <laughs> I, I have to go to the studio. And, <laughs> right. and but, you know, babies come when babies come. So instead of here comes the son, it was here comes the daughter. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. To the hospital, had the baby, and I'm sitting there with Ilse. And, and Lawrence is going off to the studio to work with George. And, and the phone rings, and it's George Harrison. Oh, wow. And he said, I hear you just had the baby. As soon as you're able, why don't you bring her down to the studio? Love to meet you. So Ilse was two days old. And the first place she ever went was a recording studio. Mm, and how fitting. Yeah. <laughs> so George comes out and he picks her up out of the baby carrier and he brings her into village recorders. It's like a big cavernous studio. And <laughs> he started waltzing, like dancing with her. <laughs> and he, we just stood back. It was very magical. Wow. And he was holding the baby and dancing with her and talking to her in like Sanskrit and stuff. And, and we just... It was like really a, an amazing magical moment. And yeah. he came over to me and he, he touched her forehead and he said something to her in Sanskrit and handed her back to me. And we asked what he had said to her. And he said, well, I was just feeling the energy of this new life. And, and I decided at the end that I would really like to give her the gift of music. And so I did. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And he did it. And, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So. Now, now I'm, I don't know if people believe in things or not, but yeah. <laughs> she, she sure got the gift of music and she has it in t tattooed on her wrist in Sanskrit. That's cool. And oh, so uh, immediately started playing the guitar out of nowhere. And then two weeks later, she could play do two handed keyboard things. And <laughs> we said, when did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I do it. <laughs> And she's writing hit songs, and yeah. it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. Has she collaborated with your husband at all? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. That's cool. Um, 
Yeah. And every once in a while, she'll call like when Harry Styles was doing an album and he <laughs> he wrote a song with Ilse called Treat People with Kindness. And okay. and Lawrence mm-hmm. got a call saying, hey, what are you doing? Can you bring your guitar down and play play guitar parts on this song? And so he went down there and, and they worked together on that. And every once in a while it happens. But she is like in a whole other area of music than he. So it doesn't often happened that they collaborate right but when they when she was growing up here they certainly did lawrence was always producing demos for her and things like that that's cool nice nice and um your other daughter is it nico is that how you say your name nico yeah um she's an executive for adobe she was she, she was. was that's yeah. impressive and she i love adobe for, products so <laughs> i'm she a did big that fan for about 13 years wow and she quit and she is writing musicals. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what she's doing now. She's <laughs> writing cool. musicals, and she had a reading of her musical. The musical's entitled uh, Millennials Are Killing Musicals. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. They had a reading of it in New York that we went to at the um, end of March. And then they did a, a concert version of it at 54 Below, which is um, also like a club in New York and, mm. and she's getting very good reaction to it. And she, she won an award for a 15 minute musical, which was kind of a sci-fi musical that she did called hollow. And it was very, <laughs> very cool. She, and she just was like, I think my, the musical comedy gene kicked in. Mm, so wow. <laughs> I have to write musicals now. And that's, that's cool. <laughs> That's a big change going from Adobe to musicals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she used a lot of her experience in working in the corporate world in her musical. She she has a lot of uh, millennial kind of the kind of things that millennials are dealing Tendencies with. Tendencies, yeah. That are in the in the musical, so it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's very timely. Yeah. So you yourself, you have a BA in theater, correct? Yes. What, yes. This is just because I'm nerdy about this stuff. What's some of your favorite uh, shows or musicals to watch? Like, what are your, some of your personal favorites? My personal favorites, I will never turn down a, a good production of the Fantastics. Mm, yeah, yeah. The that's Fantastic. one of the longest shows on Broadway. Yeah. Oh yeah, or uh, it was off Broadway actually. Yeah. But um, and then the uh, Man of La Mancha. Mm, Love yeah, yeah. Man of La Mancha, just the. The way it combines the two realities is just, I love things that combine two things that aren't necessarily um, always together. I love that. Um, and so those are the two that just pop into my head. There's, yeah. I mean, I love musicals. I, I yeah, my wife and I met in um, Joseph in the Amazing Technical Dream Co. We were dance partners. That's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, we got teamed up and, and that's how we met. Yeah. Oh, and I <laughs> love hair. I, when I oh, was yeah, hair's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. an usher at Hare when I was yeah. in, a teenager, mm-hmm. and um, I would go there, and one time they were having auditions, and so I decided that I was going to audition. Oh, nice. It. And I, I auditioned. I sang Frank Mills, and I got a call back, and then I got um, pulled over from the director saying, how, how old are you? <laughs> and I said, 15. Oh. And <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah that, that, that skinny sure. dipping scene. It's <laughs> a good audition, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I play. I got to play Jesus in Godspell, and that was pretty fun. Oh. It's a similar oh, musical, yeah. Oh, and Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very cool show, too. It is, that. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah. husband was, um, when he was just out of, like, high school and, and he took his gap year, he would play guitar in... 
um, Jesus Christ Superstar mm. and a lot of like the 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 London musicals that were going on at the time because mm-hmm. that's where he was uh, kind of getting his chops together. That's cool. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So <clears throat> sorry to be jumping around back and forth. We <laughs> we tried to put this in some sort of chronological order, but. <laughs> but okay. uh, you can always um, edit it the other way around. <laughs> <that's true. laughs> so, did you ever like uh, come up with any ideas for shows for your dad? Did you ever pitch him ideas like, "Hey, okay, so it's a buddy show," and you know, did you ever come up yeah. with anything? Yeah, I always ran everything by my dad, and okay. he loved one one show idea that I had. So, we actually wrote a pilot script for it. Oh, nice. And, um, and that was really fun. We, we, we wrote together on that one. And um, I ran, um, I, I have ideas for movies a lot and stage plays and things. Hmm. So I, I had this one idea for, um, for a movie. And I, I would always, as I said, tell him all my ideas. And sometimes he liked them. Sometimes he didn't like them. And hmm. he was always very kind of... Um, uh, um, he he just would tell me exactly how he felt. That's cool. He Good. Hmm. He didn't say, "Oh, very nice, honey." No, he would always <laughs> give me um, critiques and yeah. um, encouragement for the ones he liked, and he would just like not my, my not my thing for things he didn't. That's so um, there's one movie that he he said to me. I I told him the idea, and he said, "This is a commercial hit movie." Mm. I want you to keep working on this movie until you get it done. Okay. And so I said, okay. And he said, no, 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 no. I want you to promise me that mm. you're going to keep working until you get this movie made because it is a commercial hit movie. And I said, nice. okay, I promise. So I have been working on getting that movie made for years <laughs> and years and years and years. And oh, I nice. wrote the script with a, an incredible writer, Ellen Gilas, who's my, my writing partner on a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. She wrote things ever since, uh, gosh, everything from Bob Newhart and Three's Company, oh, wow. Thoughts, Full House. She's um, nice. a classic, classic writer. Yeah, and yeah. Um, we wrote the, mo- the movie script and I just, I'm, I love it. And we're, we're always pushing to see if we can get it made. It's a very expensive movie, so it's hard to get people to to um, say yes because the more right. expensive the movie, the the harder it is for people to want to go. Yeah, we're all in on that. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but we will continue working on it because I I told my dad that I would, and I yeah. believe it. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That makes sense. So, your friend used to work on Who's the Boss? He said. Yes. Um, maybe you can ask her next time you talk to her, who truly was the boss? We're all <laughs> wondering <friend>. stuff. <laughs> it was Mona. It was Mona. It was Mona. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so we, we, when when I was looking um, at, at information for this interview, um, I noticed that your father has um, a lot of soundtrack credits on IMDb for uh, shows like Growing Pains, Perfect Strangers, Saved by the Bell, DuckTales, Baywatch. Uh, Parker Lewis can't lose a, a, basically whenever it sounds like whenever one of his shows was mentioned, no, like, how does it feel if you're watching a show unrelated to your dad and some, some kind of reference comes up to the Brady Bunch Gilligan's Island, one of his shows, like it, it, it does it, is it like a constant reminder for you? You know what I mean? Like, is it, I think it's, I think it's a law that you have to refer to one of my dad's shows. <laughs> I, I rarely see a movie where at some point somebody, somebody doesn't quote a Gilligan episode yeah. or a Brady reference. It's, 
it's like constant. And I think it's, it just shows the iconic nature of these shows and For real. how they live on in posterity. They're just continue on. It's, um, I, I think it's great. I love, I love to hear it. I love that it can, it keeps the shows current, even though they've been gone off the air for, I mean, not, well, not off the air because streaming and other channels right, and yeah. things, but off the network air, it's been gone for a long time. And it's very satisfying just to know that dad's work lives on and that people mm-hmm. still have a consciousness of it. Yeah. Do you think your father knew that the shows would, would go down in history as iconic? I think that dad thought that Gilligan would probably have a better chance of existing beyond itself because of its timeless nature. Because even though it was done in a particular time frame, it wasn't like set in a particular time frame. And it it kind of this this island is its own time frame. Right. And I think Hmm. that he thought that that show um, had the potential of, of living on beyond i think he he uh, thought brady even though clearly it was dear to his heart and he loved the show i think it's because it was so specific to the decades that it was in i think Mm. he thought it would have less of a relevance than it has proven to have i think that the things that that make it continue on are the values that he put in these shows there's um there's family and there's love and there's people working together and overcoming obstacles and, and things that the world actually always needs. And I think exactly that right. look to his shows to give them some comfort when they're concerned mm-hmm. about things going on in their lives. There's, there's a very comforting shows. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the, the world right now could use some comfort. We've so, seen I'm that. Sure. We've seen that on our side. We're in season five and we, we, we are a, a rewatch podcast. So we started with season one and now we're in season five. And at first it was a lot of, you know, women between 45 and 65 from, you know, Northern California kind of thing. And now we get, we get people writing in that are 19, 20 years old. Hey, I just discovered the Brady Bunch. Me and my brother watch it all the time. So I don't think it's going, going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not, no. not from what we're seeing. <laughs> I certainly hope not. I yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We talked about it on the podcast too. Like when this show, when your dad first produced the show, it was a perfect time for it to come out because the world needed it. Just like you said, I mm-hmm. mean, this is like post Vietnam. This is like um, yeah, yeah. Kennedy just being killed. I mean, this is like the, a perfect time where we needed something wholesome, you know, in, and uplifting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I try to explain that to people too. When they, when they, well, the show is kind of cheesy. Well, yes, of course it is, but it's supposed to be, and it needs to be, especially think about yeah. what was going on in the world at the time. And it didn't intrude into the the kind of world problems never intruded into the show. Exactly. Exactly. Cultural things would, whether it be, you know, the monkeys or, or, you know, on. Yeah. Yeah. The pop stuff. The cultural things would come into the show, but Mm -hmm. never like the big world crisis problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a safe place to go. If you just want to relax and watch something funny and fun and. Mm -hmm. and Exactly. It was a, it was, you could let the kids watch. You didn't have to worry uh, about explaining anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So what was your, this might be kind of an open-ended question, but what was your fondest memory of your father? I have a, a, so many memories. A lot of them are like fleeting, like mm. my dad's hands. 
My dad had the, the biggest, warmest, softest hand. <laughs> I always remember him holding my hand and, and just feeling the way he would hold my hand was very, um, it made you feel so secure, you know? And right. yeah. I remember walking into the living room a lot of times because I, I was terrible um, insomniac when I was a kid. Mm. And I always watched like monster movies at, all through the night. I would be watching Godzilla <laughs> or King Kong or whatever. And I would come into the, the living room and dad would be sitting there just quietly staring. And I would say, what are you doing? And he would say, I'm, I'm working. And I, to me, oh, staring off into space is working. That's, <laughs> that's what that I do is. that at work sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he'd be thinking and I, and, you know, and as I became a writer, I totally understood what yeah. he meant by that mm -hmm. because, you know, things are going on in your head that aren't, you don't necessarily see. Right. And um, so I remember that. And there was one, one thing that happened when I was in high school that was, shocking to me. Mm. I was, um, I was a, a protester and, uh, okay. I, I was lucky enough to, to work with some of the people who were very anti-war and they, they taught me how to organize a walkout. And in my, um, high school, I decided that I was going to organize a protest walkout, um, to the war. And we, um, we gathered and did signs and stuff like this. And the, the school principal heard about it and they locked the door. They locked to the gates so that we couldn't get out to walk mm. out. Oh, wow. And came to the gate and I saw that the gate was locked. It had never been locked before. And I decided I had two options just to forget the whole thing or climb over the gate. So I climbed over the gate mm. and mm. the entire school followed me oh, wow. and climbed over the gate. And, and it was a remarkable moment. And my parents were called into the principal's office. And I didn't know that this had happened. And I walked into the principal's office and my mom and dad are sitting there and the principal is there. And, and the principal was explaining to mom and dad what I had done. And they said, you know, she, she organized this walkout and the whole school left. And, you know, what do you think we should, should do about this? Hmm. They looked to my, my dad and my dad said, so the whole school walked out and it was, and he said, yes. And I, what do you think we should do? And my dad said, well, I think you should tell her that she did a really good job. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she, they got up and they walked out of the principal's office. <laughs> and the whole and school followed detention. them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> That's amazing. It, it, just, it showed me a different side of my dad. Because yeah. I thought I was going to be in trouble and I thought that <laughs> they were going to be mad at me because they didn't know anything about it. But he was very supportive of it. And I was I was surprised. But I was in detention for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Great guy. So um, one of the last questions that we have is, um, do you think the Brady Bunch is done? And whether it's canon or whether it's reboot or reimagine, like like Paramount likes to use, do you think it's it's completed? Do you think it's done? Or do you think it'll come back in some form? You know, my brother Lloyd always says something, and I totally agree with him. The Brady Bunch has been a lot of things: musical, uh, cartoon shows, plays, yeah. movies. The Brady Bunch is a lot of things, but over is not one of them. <laughs> nice. That's good. So that's I'm good. catching that there's going to be a reboot. That's what I call that's it. That's what I call you it. Know, yeah. 
I never <laughs> count anything out. There's always something going on, whether you know things come to fruition or not. You never know. I but, could I could totally see it reimagined. Because Paramount likes to use that word. You know, that's how they're doing Cobra Kai and stuff like that. I could totally see them coming back, you know, maybe in Peter's house or Greg's house and having the aunts and uncles come. Visit. I could totally see that happening. Yeah, um, I would not put it past the Brady Bunch or Gilligan. Right. To yeah. come back and haunt people for many years. <laughs> we're, we're basically pitching to you now. There so. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't pitch it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Were you able to visit? Um, you've been to the, the real Brady Bunch house since it's been completed, right? Oh, yes. Quite a few times. Yeah, that's cool. Is that open to the public? Can anybody go visit or is it by special invite? No, it's it's it, you have to you have to get a, a special. That's what uh, I thought. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that that thing was that was really interesting, too, because when the Brady Bunch house went up for sale, um, I oh, thought, wouldn't it be cool to buy it? Yeah. So I was talking to my, my daughter, Ilse, the really successful songwriter mm -hmm. one, and she said, let's do it. Let's buy the house. So we put <laughs> in an offer and yeah. we were the winning offer. Nice. And they, yeah. And the real we were all talking to the real estate people, what we were going to do. And Ilse and I said, let's do like a Airbnb Brady and let's mm -hmm. you know, do this. Oh, and that's so much better. Then um, Lance, Lance Bass yeah. Yeah. came in. Yeah. And he, uh, he bid above us. And so we went back to the real estate office people and said, shall we bid above him? And that's when HGTV came in and said, doesn't matter what you're going to bid. We're going to go <laughs> above it because we want to do this. Right, so, yeah. Okay. Okay. And they did a brilliant job. We could yeah. never have done what they did. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely amazing. And um, I have no idea what they're going to do with it. Um, people come by all the time to to see it. They mm. can't go inside unless you get a special. Um, yeah. uh, yes, you have to either know somebody and arrange it specially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, but I've been there quite a few times. They they seem to let me in. They don't think I'm going to steal anything. I guess. So. <laughs> so having having been on the set, is it is it pretty accurate? Is it is it dead on to what the set was? Yes. Yeah. It's remarkable when That's you cool. walk in. You really feel like you are walking into that show. You are walking into the show. It's just that's cool. It's expect, amazing. You know, you expect Florence Henderson to come down the stairs and, and <laughs> yeah. Andy Davis to come out and say, "Dinner's ready." You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. So, so the Beatles were a big part of your life, um, as well as your husband's as well. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, and and even though I, I did mention McCartney, right. I don't know that the listeners know that the reason the Beatles have been so integral, uh, not only from my side of the, the equation, but my husband was the lead guitarist in Paul McCartney's band Wings. Wings. OK. Mm -hmm. OK. Yeah. And I don't know if your listeners knew that or didn't. No, I don't think they did. No. So. That's um, that's uh, another reason why the the collaboration. We always feel like we're at the nexus of pop culture because on my side you got Gilligan and Brady and American <laughs> pop culture, and on his side you have um, Beatles and Wings and, and English pop. And right. um, we met and kind of said, okay, well we're we're the junction of that. <laughs> when did when did um, when was Wings established? Because I remember their box set coming out, and I want to say in ninety. 95, 96, I think, somewhere around there. The, like the greatest. Yeah. Kind of 
thing, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Lawrence was in the band from 1978 to 1981. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize yeah. that it went back that far. Okay. Yeah. There were three incarnations of Wings. When the Beatles stopped, right. um, Paul created Wings, and it was um, Denny Sidewell and um, Henry McCullough. Okay. And then when they left, it was Joe English and Jimmy McCullough. Okay. And then um, they, that was like the band on the run kind of era, although they didn't, um, they didn't play on band on the run. That was McCartney and some um, uh, African musicians and stuff. Okay. But, um, but then when Paul created the, the band for the third time, that's when my husband joined. And okay. he okay. was, he was in the, the good night tonight coming up back to the egg era of wings. Okay. And, and, uh, it kind of start, started stopping when Paul got busted in Japan. Mm. Um, Lawrence was actually standing next to him, um, when he got busted, which was a story in itself. Excuse <laughs> 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 me. And it, it wings continued for about a year afterwards, and then when wings officially stopped on twenty mm. seventh of April, and Lawrence and I met on the twenty eighth. Oh wow! Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> mm. huh. Interesting. Yeah. Does he still keep in contact with uh, Paul McCartney or no? Yeah, occasionally, yeah. not not often. Okay. Paul ten, tends to be a look forward person. Okay, but. Um, but occasionally we get to see him and and hang out and, and uh, spend a little time with him, but but not often. Does he still mm. perform with them at all, or no? No. No. Okay. No. Okay. No. Lawrence does solo uh, concerts. Mm-hmm. He's um, focusing on on his acoustic guitar playing, but he also plays. He, yeah, he did studio work. He he did everything from Home Improvement, Seventh Heaven, um, Roseanne. He, oh, wow. he did um, "Time of My Life" for wow. Dirty Dancing, and you know he's he's played on so many albums and so many shows that you have seen and know. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know that he did because he's <laughs> he's been a studio player, and and you don't really get the credits for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, between yeah. you and your whole family, you have connections to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hope we certainly appreciate this. We really so do much. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And um, we haven't told any of our listeners this yet, so we'll tell you first. But um, after we finish the Brady Bunch, we are going to go on to Gilligan's Island and do yeah. rewatch that whole series as well. So that's going to be our next thing. Yeah, the, the style we do it is we we go scene by scene, in some cases shot by shot, and, and kind of describe because people are sitting at work and they kind of I guess they kind of want to watch the Brady Bunch, but they can't. So this is the next best thing is we go through uh, we write a, a scripted synopsis every episode and we read through scene by scene and what happens. On, and we're going to do this exact same thing with the with um, mm-hmm. Gilligan's Island. So, so you guys are kind of a Schwartz fest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, we're not sure what we're going to do after that. We'll have to go on to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say the fans are 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 passionate about the show. We're thinking about um, sometime this summer meeting up at um, 
uh, Kings Island in um, oh, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. We have we've had a couple of our Patreon subscribers that that, that wouldn't mind meeting up and kind of trying to redo some of the shots from the show and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so we're thinking about doing that with the fans. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> I love that. I love the fan groups and, yeah, and yeah. all the people online. I just, I just love it. I, the thing that tickles me, I think, the most is um, when Gilligan's Island people try to make logical sense out of something. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> That's exactly what we. <laughs> That's, not that's exactly. <laughs> that's our that's our podcast right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We come that. up, yeah, they we come up with conspiracy good. theories. Oh yeah, we have tons of conspiracy. It's theories, so stupid, yeah. but it's a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one of the questions that inevitably came up right from the get go is: so before Mike meets Carol, what was going on with him and Alice? Because he's a single guy with a with a living housekeeper, like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and she makes no bones later on about how she's kind of lonely and she couldn't, might, you know what I mean? So, so that came up early on. That's one of the conspiracy okay. theories that something was going on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But uh, that's, that's how the new generation thinks about the show. It's funny. That is, that is, uh, that is interesting. <laughs> interesting uh, theory there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you don't have any insight on that? I don't believe it for a minute. No. <laughs> yeah, right. not, not knowing hmm. their characters and knowing uh, that they, well, it had nothing to do with the actors, but not <laughs> right. knowing those characters, I, I don't think they had anything going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we explained how Mike met Carol um, in the musical. Oh, so nice. Okay. If the musical ever comes out, you yeah. can learn, learn about that. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you, is there any way you could tell us? So, no. No? no. <laughs> trying to get like, you know, here, you hear here first. So uh, we're, we're on, we're closing the end of season five. What are your opinions on Cousin Oliver? Because there's mixed feelings. There's a lot of mixed feelings out there with the fans. There are mixed feelings. Yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I went on to work on uh, Big John, Little John with Robbie Wrist um, okay. afterwards. I think Robbie was ex- extremely talented i still think oh, yeah. he's, he's mm-hmm. a great musician he's he's very very bright and and really easy to work with and i think he's um i think he brought i think i i don't know that the show would have gone on with him without him right. i don't think he yeah. killed anything oh no i don't I think, think he had any bearing on that no. no no i don't think he had an effect on on that i think that it was um hoped that he would open up new storylines mm-hmm. and um I think that he he did a very creditable job, and he was really adorable, and and very bright. I I have no problem at all with Robbie. I don't I don't think it was any kind of syndrome, but um, I I think fans like to to glom onto things like that. <laughs> yeah, one thing that another thing that came up on our show is how much he looked like John Denver. <laughs> yeah. He really did look like John Denver. Know, like, <laughs> That's a big joke. Denver. Was, yeah. <laughs> so we had to throw in like, you know, thank God he's a country boy and stuff like that into it because he just he looked just like him. We couldn't help it. And I think but, it's funny because people always get John Denver and Bob Denver mixed up. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie had Whoa. no relation at all to Bob Denver. <laughs> but they always uh, get those two. we read when we did the synopsis for um where they go to cincinnati where they go to the theme park we had Uh read that bobby um that mike lucanland was wearing bob denver's hat 
huh. from the from the Gilligan's Island. I don't know if you were if you knew that or if you had any insight in it, but part of what um, some of the the trivia on IMDb said was that was actually Bob Denver's hat that he's wearing. He's wearing the the white bucket hat from Gilligan's Island. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, it looks like it, but there's no t- way of telling whether it's really it or not. But I but thought that was interesting. The big, the big character with when he takes off his head that that's my brother Lloyd. You knew that. Oh no! Oh yeah, 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 we did know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We knew that. We knew that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we yeah, talked we about that. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Do you want to tell uh, our listeners where, um, not only where they can find you, but uh, any kind of projects you have coming up? Anything you're excited about? Anything that you'd Social like them media. to? Anything you'd like them to check out? Anything at all? Oh uh, well, there's. Um, I have hopejuber.com. Mm-hmm. So okay. if they're okay. interested in anything further about me or any of the bands or my relationship with Lawrence. And as I said, I've, you know, I've been producing him now for so many years and we have 30 albums out. That's so, so cool. That's, wow. That's a, a lot of what I've been concentrated on <laughs> just working with Lawrence and, and, and getting his music out there. Right. Uh, and he's at lawrencejuber.com and we, uh, we, go to occasional things like uh, we were at Beatle, uh, the festival for Beatle fans mm. um, doing, doing that. And um, just, I, I hope that at some point you'll be able to go, Oh my God, that movie, that movie, that was the one she talked about. <laughs> That's what she was talking about. We talked about. <laughs> um, it, is your husband's music available on um, uh, like Apple music and, and Spotify Everything. and okay. Okay. Good. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. U-R-E-N-C-E, Juber, J-U-B-E-R, like Uber with a J. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, you can find him anywhere and on, on YouTube. And and if you want to go to thenastyhousewives.com, just make sure you put the the in <laughs> the, <right>. there. <laughs> Glad you, yeah, we'd have a bunch of people writing in. Yeah, I looked at that website and you guys are gross. Um, are, is, your, is your music on Apple uh, Music and Spotify as well? Um, I think the original of the housewives, um, is on, um, I don't know what it's on. I, I think you can, I know you can get it on Amazon, but I, I don't really, okay. I don't, I don't know. You, okay. but, um, <laughs> there is a documentary. Oh, that this, mm-hmm. and this is really okay. fun. It actually includes, um, footage of, uh, or some, some, uh, pictures with Florence Henderson and, and her daughter, Barbara, because Barbara, uh, Florence Henderson's daughter was in the second incarnation of the housewives. Oh, okay. oh. and yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So you might want to check out the documentary. Yeah, it's, for sure. The documentary is called get the dirt and the, dirt. It's okay. the housewives. And if you look on YouTube, it's the one that has the, um, it looks like the tide. It looks like a tide detergent box. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. The housewives get the dirt. <laughs> and it's a documentary. It's about 25 minutes long. And yeah, it definitely. The whole how that went. And it includes um, Brady info. Oh, cool. And you're, you, are you still close with her or no? With the Florence Henderson's daughter? Yes. That's cool. Good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. We always were. We were very close in high school and um, kept on with it. I, I usually speak to her a couple of times, a uh, couple of times a year, usually. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a lot of theater credits in her own right. Florence Henderson did. She did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was a magnificent performer. She really was. I mean, she just, the talent and the, the dedication she had, it was really, she, and just, she was a sweetheart too. Yeah. I think the world really 
was shocked at the oh, loss. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, she had just did Dancing with the Stars, I think, a year before or something or two yeah. years before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we were surprised at at how, how good the physical comedy was with Ann Davis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like the like everything from jumping on the trampoline to some of the like Pratt stuff that they, they had her doing. It was pretty mm-hmm. impressive how, how good her physicality was, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she was so amazing. She was, she yeah. was a, just a wonderful woman, just a sweetheart. I was, I was always in, in touch with her as well. And you know yeah. who else um, was remarkably um, talented in their own physical uh, stunts and things was Natalie Schaefer, Mrs. Oh. Howard. Oh, she, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She did a lot of her own stunts. She was a really amazing woman. I, I didn't think yeah. I mentioned her before, but she was fabulous and, and had <laughs> quite a, um, a naughty sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've heard that. I've read it about Florence Henderson, that she had kind of a, a off-colored sense of humor as well. Yeah, she did. Did she? That's <laughs> yeah. funny. I That's thought awesome. you were going to say Mike Lukenland because Mike Lukenland did a lot too. of crazy stunts, too, in the show. Yeah, he did. He did, but that's not who I was going to say. No, no, huh? <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. All right, Hope. Well, thanks so much. Oh, this was awesome. This really was. Yeah. We really, I really appreciate it. enjoyed it. Maybe learned a little something. Oh, of course. For yeah, sure. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe we'll have you back again when we're doing Gilligan's Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And gather all your questions. I'll try to answer anything you have. There you go. Perfect. That was great. (laughs) All right, Hope. Well, I appreciate it so much and enjoy the rest of your long weekend. Yeah. And uh, have a good Memorial Day. And we're glad your back's feeling better. You too. Yeah, definitely. Bye bye. Nice to meet you. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. All right. Well, uh, fascinating stuff. That was. Yes, it was fascinating. That was such a. a, a landmark thing for our podcast like that was definitely the high point mm-hmm. you know for sure so. and we do personally want to thank hope juber again for giving us an interview oh, for sure she was 100 she was she was just a delight at all she was and she was so understanding and she was so patient and you know mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> she's awesome indeed all right so ready to hand out some homework or um you know what tack i i'm thinking that um this is kind of like you know, we're getting towards the end of the series, right? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like a final exam signed kind of thing. So I think we should just give them, you know, time to listen to their Walkmans and, you know, draw pictures <laughs> on the notebook paper. That's what I think. Or and put maybe your read, heads down. Maybe read, you know, skateboarding magazines where you, you know, forgot which, ep- which issue it was and you had cut out pictures of your face and put it over top of the the picture of Tony Hawk and completely forgot about it. I actually brought that to school. And when, you know, Tim Greer asks if he can look at your, you know, fucking skateboarding magazine and you forgot that your pictures on one of the pictures and everybody starts laughing and he shows the whole room and you're fucking embarrassed. It could be like that. Just like that. It's very yeah. oddly specific, yeah. but yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I would also like to attack. I know you've already thanked her, but I would also like to thank Hope Juber because you know, she didn't have to take the time. She's got a busy schedule. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was evident by how many times we had to postpone without going into detail. And um, she's just an awesome person and she's down to earth and she she's led such an amazing life, which we touched on right away in the interview. And just mm-hmm. she's not jaded by it. She's, she doesn't take it for granted. And she's just such a down to earth person. So yeah. we, we thank you. We really do. Indeed. Indeed. So unless you had anything else. No, that's it. Well, all right. In that case, I have been Jimmy. And I've been Tack. And this has been a special episode hmm. of the Very Brady Podcast. 
and we will see you on another sunshine day. Keep smoking. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.